Hello and welcome to this final episode in season one of Raising the Roof. And today we are going to be talking about building homes fit for the future. And what does all that mean? Well, we'll we'll come to that in a short a short while. Just in terms of a quick recap on season one, we've released nine episodes, hard to believe. That included two bonus episodes. So that's enabled us to chat to, to 20 uh, fantastic guests during that time. We have got season two coming later this year. Uh, so I will talk more about that at the end of this podcast. So a further incentive to, to listen on. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Nick Atkins. I'm uh, Chief Exec here at Yorkshire Housing, and I have the absolute pleasure of hosting this Raising the Roof podcast. Today, I've got uh, two guests with me. We are finishing with a bang in terms of season one. First up, the first of my guests is somebody who is just quite literally too good for this podcast. Yes, um, it's Rosie too good. Um, Rosie is the Chief Exec at uh, Legal and General Modular Homes, and We'll explain a little bit more about that uh, shortly. A bit like that advert that you've seen for the Royal Navy. She was uh, born in Gateshead, but was made by the world. And what I mean by that is that she's got a large family that are spread all over the world. She probably gets some very cheap holidays. She's got relatives in Norway, Canada, Australia, France, the US, Ireland, England and Scotland. In fact, it's probably easier to say where she hasn't got relatives rather than where she has. And the highlight of her year is when their family get together and they have three days in Scotland. I don't know about most people, but four hours of my family is enough. So three days, uh, big respect to you, Rosie. And she's looking forward to, to the next get together, which is obviously going to be the first since uh, 2019. Uh, because of something called COVID. Not quite sure what that's about, but there you go. Uh, Rosie joined uh, Legal and General in uh, June 2017, where previously she, she was at Rolls-Royce. So she's got a fantastic car um, and she's driven around by a chauffeur. And those of you who uh, may be unfamiliar with what LNG uh, are doing in this space, they're, they're basically changing the housing market through the use of their, their modern design, the, the manufacturing process, and also the construction approach to that's in effect, delivering really high quality, affordable and sustainable homes in half the time of the traditional build. And I was really fortunate early, uh, late last year to, to actually uh, have a look at the factory and have a look at the process. And, and it was just really, really stunning. Um, the business has gone from a startup to, to being fully operational, and it's now delivering uh, a pipeline of 850 homes across the UK. Uh, but they're not stopping there. Um, they've got uh, very clear plans to, to deliver 3,000 homes each year over the next five years. If you want to take a look for yourself, then uh, their first major site at Selby is, is nearing completion. And using uh, a, a true sort of Yorkshire phrase, I'm really chuffed that um, they, they chose to work with Yorkshire Housing. And that's enabled us to take handover of our first homes through this this really sort of innovative, innovative construction method at the back end of 2021. So, you know, also um, on this podcast that in addition to all the worky type stuff, we like to find out the things most people don't know. So um, here's a few things that, that most people uh, don't know uh, about, about Rosie. First of all, she loves ABBA. Um, yes, uh, she's a big ABBA fan. Um, her favourite song is Waterloo, but that's closely followed by this fantastic little tune called Dancing Queen. Um, it is a podcast, therefore you can't see Rosie dancing, unfortunately, but I'm sure she'll she'll bust a few moves for you at a future Christmas do. So that's the song you need to get on if you want to get her on the dance floor. Forget horror movies and, and Halloween. If you want to give Rosie a fright, then uh, she's scared of pigeons. 
Uh, so Trafalgar Square is not a tourist spot where she you're going to find her. And also, talking of horror stories, she follows the Toon Army. Um, yes, she's a, a loyal Newcastle United fan. And a great link to Newcastle United is that um, she went to the same school as Gaza. Now, as hard as I tried, uh, when I asked her for any gossip, she was uh, incredibly tight-lipped. And, and she just described Gaza as a, quote, cheeky chappy. Read into that what you will. But that's my first guest. That's Rosie. So who else is joining us today? Well, I'm delighted that we've got Andy Gamble. He's our exec director for growth and assets here at Yorkshire Housing. Some would say that the Gamble name is perfect for anybody involved in development. However, like me, he's from he's from Yorkshire and it's well known that we don't gamble on anything unless it's a dead cert. So um, absolutely everything that he has in the pipeline gets delivered. He's straddled both the um, public and, and private sectors. Um, he's worked mainly in housing associations and also for contractors and house builders. So like Rosie, he really knows his stuff. I think it's fair to say Andy's the driving force behind Yorkshire Housing's uh, target to to deliver 8,000 new homes. But because he was looking a bit bored one day, we've also given him now responsibility for the strategic asset management of our existing 8,000 home portfolio as well. So that started to to get him busy again. And uh, just because he had a, a bit of downtime over something called Christmas, um, he's recently put the finishing touches to our roadmap to achieve uh, zero carbon homes, which includes um, getting rid of uh, fossil fuel heating systems. But, you know, you know what you really want to know, uh, the stuff that most people don't. So here goes on Andy. He was uh, born in a fish and chip shop. Um, now, that's a strange order, isn't it? Cod and chips, so, and I'll have a baby on the side, please. And uh, the proof is, is actually in his birth certificate, which states the occupation of his father as fish fryer. It doesn't actually say he was frying fish at the time he was born, but uh, probably probably was. I'm not saying that that Andy has put in a few years, despite his his youthful good looks, which of course on a podcast you can't see, unfortunately. Um, but he actually grew up in social housing in Leeds in in a cutting edge maisonette when maisonettes were cutting edge. And I suppose the the test of time is uh, that that property has long long been long since been demolished. Uh, so that uh, that gives you a bit of an indication of, of uh, how long Andy's been around. He's been married for, for over 30 years. Big shout out to long-suffering Julie um, and has got uh, two children. Both his wife and one of his daughters uh, work uh, at Homes England. And uh, there is a rumour now that that's about to be reno- renamed as uh, Homes Gamble. Uh, rather than uh, Homes England. Andy wanted to be a footballer. Uh, there is a footballing theme to, to this uh, to this podcast. And, and he had trials at Bradford City. Um, now, that doesn't fit well with him being a massive Leeds United fan. But uh, yes, he's still got a bit of fancy footwork. And you may also recognise Andy when you see the, the snapshots on Twitter uh, from a future episode of Court on Camera. In September 2021, um, he went to the uh, the Chartered Institute of Housing Conference in Manchester. Um, he found a parking space, uh, but uh, it was so tight that he couldn't open the doors to get out. So um, looking incredibly dodgy, uh, he then proceeded to climb out of the tailgate. Um, now, this is a true Yorkshire resident because he'd never give up on a free parking space, even if it means he has to climb out the back of the car. So so nice one, Andy. So there are guests. Um, let's get cracking. I'll come to you first, Rosie. Um, as I mentioned in my intro, you've very much been the driving force behind the modular homes business and, and grown LNG from pretty much a standing start. Can you just talk us through how you do things differently in the modular homes business compared to, say, a conventional builder? 
Um, I'm conscious in particular that some of our listeners won't be housing geeks like me um, and will want to know how the two compare. Yeah, happy to do that, Nick. Thanks. And, and as you said, we, you know, the first thing that's different is we build homes in a factory. So, you know, we start by building what's essentially a box, um, pop that on the back of a very big lorry, take it to site and then uh, pop it on foundations, brick it up, put a roof on, do a little bit of uh, joining up of bits inside and, and there you go. And, you know, when the box has landed on its foundations, if you were inside it, it would be, you would think you were in a, a fully completed home because it leaves the factory with kitchens, bathrooms, floor coverings, tiling, um, all of the pipe work done, all of the lighting in there, you know, fully, fully fledged house effectively. So, you know, that sounds quite simple, doesn't it? But um, there's a lot more to it than that. And I like to say, you know, not only are we building homes in a factory, we're actually building a system that will build thousands of homes a year. And that really, you know, starts with understanding what customers want, what's important to them, what they like, what they don't like, and making sure we've taken account of that when we've done the designs. And then when we do the designs, doing them in a kind of level of detail that means that we can build them to a consistently high level of quality at speed. Um, so that involves us putting together a bill of materials and a bill of process. And if you've ever built Meccano or Lego, it's the, uh, you know, the, the, the kit of bits and the, the instruction book. And it's all mapped out in that kind of, you know, so you can might imagine slightly more detail than that, but the principles absolutely the same. So we know where all the parts go in what sequence. Sometimes it's a little bit mind boggling, but uh, the idea is to make it as simple as possible. And then as you've both seen Andy and Nick in the factory, there's a production line which has 17 stages in it. And we've laid out all the parts and all of the instructions so that the, the boxes come together in those 17 stages and hit the end of the line as a fully completed box. And as I said earlier, we kind of take that to site um, and, and then uh, put them on the foundations, put the bricks on the roof on. So, you know, sounds very simple. It's taken us a long time to get to that point. And, and you know, we're, we're not even at the start of it. There's more and more to do to bring in more innovation, to raise the standards, you know, to drive down cost, to drive up quality, to put more sustainable products into the, 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 the homes and to make them faster and cheaper and you know really we're just doing what other industries have done before like TVs and phones and cars and that's all about really making sure we're passing value to the customer and giving them a better product. I, that, I mean that's great and I want to come to where the, the business could it could potentially go in a second Rosie if I could but um, just picking up on something you said there because you made it sound incredibly easy you know sort of just to build these compartments and stick it on the back of a lorry and inside it looks like a house. I've seen for myself just how incredibly complex that, that is. And, and you've clearly um, got that process. You've spent a lot of time invested in that process. I suppose for me, um, you know, you, you're booking the trend um, and, and I see you very much as um, a bit of an Apple in an Android housing world. Um, as you could tell, I'm not a fan of Android. Um, and uh, I suppose to, to be an Apple, you, you need to have that confidence in, in your product to do something different, to, to not follow, yeah. you know, everybody else and how they're doing. Uh, just just sort of um, give me a little bit more of a sense of, of you know, how you, you manage that yourself in terms of, you know, because we all have those little nagging doubts, don't we, that, that appear that say, are you really doing the right thing? You know, mm -hmm. what's giving you the confidence to, to really push ahead and now be delivering at the, you know, the scale that you are? Yeah, I think it's sort of, 
you know, you take your confidence from what others have done, like the Apples, like the Teslas of this world, and, and how, you know, I'm, I'm kind of at the age where you remember when cars really actually weren't that good, you know, <laughs> you've seen, seen how they've changed and you've seen how industries have kind of adopted some actually really quite simple techniques that are actually really hard to adopt and, and made massive changes. And, you know, I think I find myself, you know, I, I love this job. It's really easy to jump out of bed every day and go and do something because it is groundbreaking and innovative. And I do fundamentally believe that, you know, we've got a major problem in this country and throughout the world in making available really good quality housing for people that's affordable. And, you know, it's, it's one of the few industries left that needs that transformation and nobody can explain why it's taken so long to get here. So, you know, that's, that's why I want to do. We, we've got a really great parent in LNG who's you know, very patient in terms of their investment and capital and it, it takes a lot, but there's, you know, I think just looking backwards and looking what other, at what other industries have done, looking at the real need for good quality housing and, uh, and looking at the opportunity and what we can do and what we can create, it's transformative, it's really, really quite exciting. Yeah, and, and a plea from me, Rosie, is please don't speak to my kids about being a patient parent with, with capital investment. I really don't want them to be going down that road. So, um, and I suppose uh, just, just going back to your, your future plans then, and, and if, if we get the, the scale that we know is needed to, to really sort of drive this, this new approach forward, and I'll come back to that in, in a short while, where do you see... The business heading you know you touched before about automation you know where, where do you see that innovation and that automation taking your business model and and what that could look like yeah i mean that that is absolutely the next step so you know as you've seen in the factory there's a lot of lot of automation there's a lot of manufacturing aids but the opportunity for more you know for robotics for more automated handling things like that is just endless and it, you know the, the good thing about manufacturing and continuous improvement is that there's more and more and more opportunity people are innovating in in that space to enable you know production to to happen in a, a more simple and easier way and you know we've not yet started on site really in terms of the, the the manufacturing approaches we can build to bring to the actual build of the homes on the construction site so there's just you know there's frankly tens of years of innovation in this space as there has been for electronics and, and and cars you know and I think this industry will be transformed it won't all be built in a factory but I think a lot of the techniques that we're using and the innovation we're using even on traditionally built houses you'll see them brought to the construction sites and start to transform what's done there. Right. Okay. I mean, that, that, that sounds great. One of the things that, that I'm, I'm also interested in that you mentioned was really around the, uh, the product type and the choice element, because certainly, you know, as, as an organization at you know, Yorkshire Housing, we, we try and bring, build that into our, our product line, but uh, we do have standard house types as, as you need to have. And, and, and there is sometimes a bit of tension between that and, and choice. So in terms of your processes, I'm particularly interested in, in your process of, of, you know, of how you get that onto the back of the lorry. How does choice fit with the, the drive for efficiency that, that clearly you need and standardisation to be able to deliver at scale? Uh, well, again, where do you see that that going in the future? Yeah, well, that, well the journey we're on is to, to standardise that process to make it simpler and easier. But to get to a point where 
know, effectively the things that the customer can't see, the box, the chassis, you know, is standardized and the things that customers value and want to have a little bit of variety in and choice, like color of kitchen worktops or kitchen cupboards or tiling in the bathroom, those sorts of things that people really care about, we can provide some variety in. And, you know, that standardization approach actually helps us because you get to the point where, and it really is these kind of numbers, 90% of the, you know, the parts are the same for everyone. And it's just that final 10% that make a difference, how people yeah. feel about the whole, we can get there and we absolutely can get there. It's just a question of, you know, a little bit more work to, to standardize and a little bit more work to get the supply chain delivering on time and to the right quality. And, and, and then we're there. And we're already offering, you know, the kind of variety that the, the, the traditional house builders offer in terms of, you know, would you like a light, medium or dark kitchen or yeah. uh, wall tiles or things like that, you know, and it will just grow and grow in terms of the combinations we can offer. But that's the journey we're on. Okay, that's great. Thank you. Rosie, I'm going to come back to you in a second. I just want to bring in Andy, though, because um, I know that um, certainly from, from working with Andy for, for the last three years or so, that he's been a really strong advocate um, of, of a different way of doing things. So, um, Andy, what, what attracted you to, to the Allen G products? And try and forget that Rose is on the call, so you could, you could, you could be, tell, me, tell me what you really think. Um, but, but also, how, how do you see this being developed further? Obviously, Rose has given her vision for for how um, LNG and, and the product could develop. But from, from a customer sort of perspective, how do you see this being developing? So, you know, so first of all, you know, what, what was the attraction of doing something different? Um, and secondly, you know, where, where do you see this going from, from a Yorkshire housing perspective? By the way, Nick, thanks for the kind introduction as well. Um, I think you've got, got everything out, out on the table there. Just before <laughs> I answer your question specifically about, about LNG, um, I just, just want to kind of go back to my first involvement in, in I, think, I think it was still called Offsite then, um, which was around, around the year 2000, which was something called the 60K Home, which some chap called John Prescott, uh, had a competition basically to drive innovation almost and, and push housing associations, housing providers, contractors to try and go down the line of more offsite. Um, I think it was called the 60K home at the time. So um, there's times have changed. And if, if people don't know who John Prescott is, um, because you were probably born after 2000, <laughs> ask your parents. Um, so, so that's kind of my, my kind of involvement, or just on the periphery, really, looking at that while we were still putting one brick on top of another in other places. So that, I, I think that's, that's where kind of our interest sparked. Interestingly enough, with Yorkshire Housing, though, I've been at Yorkshire Housing for kind of four and a half years, and we've been very, very, very traditional in the way that we've built our homes. If it wasn't brick and block, we didn't do it. Apart from, there seems to be a few years in the mid-90s where um, we went all, all funky all of, all of a sudden and we built three or four really highly modern schemes, but not particularly good schemes. So um, so really, uh, coming from a fairly, fairly traditional base, essentially we needed to catch up pretty quickly. We looked at who was out there. I won't start naming the competition for Rosie, but um, two or three other providers that are out there. I think we were quite blessed in Yorkshire that we do have providers on our doorstep, which is, I think, quite quite useful. And we started to look around. We actually have a big scheme in, in Selbia ourselves. Um, and we had very early discussions, probably just before Rosie's time, about whether... Uh, we could use Rosie's product on on that particular site, but, but unfortunately, our site we weren't really ready. I don't think as an organisation, I'm not quite sure Rosie was uh, legal general quite there either. 
Um, so, so it always feels like a bit of a missed opportunity. Having said that, we've now got the opportunity where we've taken the Section 106 and some additional units from, from Rosie's development in, in Selby too. And that's a mixture of 10 years for us, some rent, some shared ownership in there as well. So um, what we're looking at, I suppose, this is where my Yorkshireness comes out, is that we, we're going to go for somebody who's got the capability, somebody who's got the capacity, and I suppose more importantly, somebody who's got deep pockets, because I'm sure Rosie would say that it's not cheap to get to the stage that, that they're at. All those five or six years worth of R&D that organisations like Rosie's have put into this, that's not an inexpensive uh, proposition. And to be perfectly honest, Yorkshire Housing wouldn't be able to do that on our own. We like to collaborate if we possibly can now, which again is a big shift, I think, in our organisation, whereas, whereas probably in the past we've, we've not done that. So deep pockets and startup costs is really important. And um, and here we are already, uh, one scheme in and we've caught up with, with the sector. So that, that's great. Um, the next challenge, I guess, is how do we then evolve that product? And of the early ones we're still talking about, about gas boilers and Rosie's already moved on and that's not part of their design moving forward of looking at air source or alternative uh, heating solutions. And it, and it always always amazes me with our existing stock when we talk about, oh, we must get all our properties to EPCC by 2030. Well, our, our general new build is B at the moment. So with a product like we have with Legal and General, we're hitting, hitting A, so why can't we achieve that? And that, for me, puts money back into our customers' pockets, whether they're buying as shared owners or whether they're renting. And we know there's a squeeze on household income. So um, it feels like it's a win-win. Um, there's certainly the cap capacity and capability. We've seen the size of the factory. And we know what Rosie and her team yeah. could, could knock out in that place. Yeah. Um, we just need to, I guess it's an obvious thing to say, find the sites and get cracking. And we get products much quicker of a better quality uh, as, as a result. And that's where I see that going. So if we can stop our maintenance guys running around the whole of Yorkshire, fixing tap washers and things like that, because the inherent product is much better. I think that's a massive win for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I know listeners can't see visually, but I see Rosie uh, nodding lots there to, to agree with what you were saying, Andy. So yeah, de definitely hit, hit, hit a, a chord. And I think, you know, the reason that we are blessed in Yorkshire with uh, so many uh, businesses that are in this space is because it's God's own county and why wouldn't you as a business uh, be based in Yorkshire as opposed to anywhere else in, in the UK or indeed the world so um, simple simple answer to that Andy and for anybody listening who hasn't or is looking to relocate their business uh, Yorkshire should be your, your first and only stop so I'll uh, quick plug for Yorkshire but I'm going to sort of move on I, I, I want to I want to get on my soapbox because uh, one of my big soapbox moments I could see sort of Andy and Jade, our producer, rolling their eyes now thinking, oh, here he goes again. But as a, the housing sector, just we know, and, and it's been a theme of this podcast, just doesn't embrace innovation. It, it plays it safe. It pretty much sort of continues as it, as it always has been. And really, sort of the way we build homes is probably the best example of that because we still build like we did in the 12th century. In the 12th century, we use mud and stone. Today, we still use mud and stone. The mud is now called mortar and the stone is called brick, but it's still the same process. Um, and, and I suppose with all of this, Andy, you know, you, you talked about, you know, this first sort of being muted in the year 2000, uh, which for, you know, some of our listeners that weren't even born then, which is sort of fries my brain even even contemplating that but but also we know that in, in other countries particularly in some of the scandinavian countries you know this is this is the norm this has been the norm for, for quite some time so you know within the uk 
we know that we, we've tried and tested it. That you know, if, if, if I summarise it, there's been more pilots than there are in the RAF. We know that this this product works. We know this approach works. So I'm really interested to get to the nub of the issue for me, which is, you know, what's stopping people from committing at the scale that we need to, yes, drive down the cost, because, you know, Andy and me are from Yorkshire, Rosie, you know, we're not, we're not flush with cash like like, like the Toon Army are. Um, but, you know, how do we also get them industry motoring? How, you know, what's ne- what do we need to do to get people to commit? So, Rosie, you're banging out three, four, five thousand a year. Um, but actually, we're also able to to get the, the the build cost down. What what's getting in the way? Help me cathartically cleanse my uh, my, my rant. Yeah, I think I mean it's not easy doing what we're doing. You know, we're we're kind of breaking ground, creating a new industry, and um, you know, as Andy just alluded to, it's 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 four or five years worth of research and development and product development. Where you're paying money and not getting any income in, you know, and that's yeah. that's a that's a you know you have to be a really big player, a really long-term thinker to to sort of take that 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 leap um, and 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 have the faith to to see it through, you know. So that's 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 job number one. The other thing is you you know you're bringing together different industries, and that's really challenging. You're bringing together construction, you're bringing together manufacturing, you're bringing together sort of design and design consulting and, and getting actually quite different characters to work together in a collaborative way takes a bit of time. And then there's all the building industry regulations, et cetera, that you, for really good reason, you absolutely mm. have to assure yourself you've met. So it just takes time. I think, you know, to give you some hope, Nick, it'll get easier over time. You know, at the minute there's no modular manufacturing recruitment agency who could just you know give us 50 people and you're off um, but the capability is growing as you say you know Yorkshire is becoming a kind of industry hub and yeah. that creates you know feeder industries and capability in the general area so I think you know that's a really good you know the industry will is changing already as into making things work and making things work at scale and not just us but a a few of the other modular manufacturers that we won't mention, you know, in, in the local area as well, you know, so it's, it's it's starting to happen and then it becomes self-sustaining and just, you know, snowballs and grows. And, and, and as I said earlier, it'll start to spill over into traditional construction and we'll see them using similar techniques. So I think it's coming. I'm not sure we'll see many big new entrants into the market because it's still going to cost you tens of millions of pounds to set up a factory yeah. like ours. But but the people who are doing it and doing it well, you know, the cost then of doing a second factory and a third factory, once you've kind of made all the mistakes and made it all work and got the system running really well, that starts to become less and less. So I do think there's hope. I think, Hugo, hopefully that's uh, that's be cathartic, Nick. <laughs> oh, it, it does, Rosie. You've, you've calmed me. I'm probably, my blood pressure's <laughs> probably gone down uh sort of uh, 10 or 20%. So, that, so that's good. I w- I'll come to Andy. What's stopping things from your perspective in, in the housing association world? And, and what do we need to do to to be putting the orders down uh, for, for Rosie to, to crank up past that 3,000 figure? Um, I, d- I don't think it's just, just our sector either. I think it's the house building sector as well. I think there's a, a tendency to just do what you've always done because you are guaranteed that work. It's a bit kind of risk averse. The fear of failure, fear of the unknown. Well, what if this happens or what if that happens two years down the line or three years down the line? So there's a bit of kind of, as I say, fear of failure around that. 
Um, there's, as I alluded to earlier, you know, there's the cost element as well. Well, this is going to cost more to do this. So we couldn't possibly innovate because it costs a little bit more. Um, but, you know, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got, I guess. So um, we have to try and do that. I think particularly maybe in the house builder sector. And again, it's not a general, it's sweeping generalization, I know, because all both sectors are quite wide ranging. You do have it's a sector of extremes. We know organizations in our sector who are absolutely cutting edge and leading on this from their, their perspective and others um, who have to be brought kicking and screaming to the table to do a percentage of off-site and modern methods because they won't get any grant from Homes England otherwise. So um, so it is a is a, a, a an industry, I guess, of, of extremes. Um, and I suppose it depends how much of a calculated risk you want to take um, and about, about taking things forward. Um, there's been a number, as you said earlier, Nick, lots and lots of pilots, but are we out of that stage yet? And have we got to a point where we are starting to churn volume? Because I think that's always been important. And volume hopefully drives down, drives up quality, but drives down costs as well. So I think okay. there's a whole, whole multitude of there. And I think at the moment people are going, um, there's more reasons not to do it than there are reasons to do it. And, and I suppose that, give, that gives a bit of an advantage for early-ish adopters like us. To, to be able to you know work with with good folk like Rosie and her team in terms of yeah helping shape some of those the, those product lines going forward. So in some ways perhaps I shouldn't be promoting it. So perhaps I should be saying yes, carry on as you are, uh, everybody else, because uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll steam in with some some competitive advantage. But of course um, I wouldn't be so insular as to as to advocate that housing market. What what's your sort of take on where the the housing market? is um there's a bit of a mixed view if you speak to economists and let's face it economists are like futurologists they predict um lots of things and are never held to a, accountable for what they've predicted uh, 6 12 or 18 months down the line um so what's your take on where the housing market's heading are we heading for a slowdown are we heading for a crash or do you think it's going to be pretty much steady as you go more of the same uh rosie can i come to you first what's your what's your sense of where the market's heading i think good steady as she goes you know i think there's massive demand out there and the economies uh, you know despite what some economists want <laughs> to think you know very very buoyant at the moment you know employed almost full employment so yeah steady as she goes okay all right that gives me uh that gives me room for comfort i'll uh i'll be feeding that back to the yorkshire housing board as well i'll be saying the chief exec of lng homes told me uh, uh andy how about you what's your take i've heard this said a few times before there was a housing crisis before the pandemic so there still is um so whether that's demand for shared ownership whether that's creation of new households people wishing to rent affordably then it's still there i think the other thing is we did have a bumper 2021 fueled by interventions by government and, and others, obviously low interest rates, stamp duty holiday, all that sort of things. So um, I think in lots of ways, it was a very artificial year. Predictions I've read is that we'll start to settle down. I don't think it will go backwards. It won't be a crash. But in Yorkshire, for instance, we'll probably return to that steadier way, 3% kind of kind of growth that we've, we've seen year on year. Last year was just a bumper year with 7% growth, which which is kind of unheard of, really. Um, but I think we'll, we'll start to settle down. Hopefully, the supply chains and materials costs will settle down too. Um, I don't think we'll go back to pre-pandemic levels, but we might just see that levelling off and have a bit more certainty, which is what we're all craving in terms of uh, supply uh, and delivery of materials too. 
Thanks both. That's that's reassuring to to hear. I think just um just on the on the supplies and materials uh point, Rosie, just just coming to you really, because obviously um that's key for for your product line. Um where do you see where do you see prices going? Do you, do you share Andy's Andy's view that that will settle down but but will never really t- return to pre-pandemic levels or where, where do you where do you get a sense that's heading? I think, I think it's hard to predict. Um, I'd like to feel, say I feel like we've hit the top and you know we're going to come off the top a little bit. Um, I think different materials will be affected in different ways. You know we've got to sort of face the cost of energy impacting on some materials and, and not others. Um, I think pretty similar to Andy Hilton, we're coming off the top and starting to settle down, but maybe not all the way back to where it was. So it's um it's definitely not time to auction off the tree in the back of my garden then. So uh, that's uh, that's that's not gonna be, that's not gonna make me uh, my, my fortune. Rosie, you mentioned before, and I thought your you, your phrase was was really good that you've created a new industry. And and obviously, you know, you've got a, a huge operation with huge amounts of investment that have been made in it. But you work in a in a sort of I won't say a semi-rural area, but an area where where you know you, your catchment area probably has to be, be quite large. How are you? What, how are you approaching recruitment and, and also retention, given the fact that, you know, we've got over a million vacancies at the moment. It's very much a, a job seekers market. As a new industry, how are you managing to, to you know, get people in and then also also keep them? So, we, you know, I think, as you know, Nick, we're recruiting massively this year. We'll almost double the workforce from just over 500 now. And, and certainly in production, we're looking to double the size of the production team. So we we'll recruit about 300 people this year. And, you know, our approach is to attract people into a, a great place to work, you know, a nice yeah. factory, a, a good employer, good work where people can learn their job and grow and have opportunities for promotion and, and, and you know, long-term secure employment. We bring in people from all walks of life, you know, so we're not looking for necessarily for people with plumbing or carpentry or electrical skills. You know, we bring people in. Um, they might have worked at Sainsbury's, they might have worked at Eddie Stobart, you know, anywhere, frankly, and we'll we'll give them the training they need to be able to do their jobs and we'll give them the skills they need to do their jobs. Um, they can pick up an NVQ as they go along the way. We have our own modular academy. So, you know, for that new industry, we're creating new jobs and skills. And what we look for is people with the right attitude, the right aptitude, yeah. open-mindedness, willingness to learn, willingness to do it you know, a good, good day's work and um, and we'll give you the skills. So, you know, if I've let me plug it, you know, if you're interested, please get in touch with us. Um, there's an inquiries web, on our website. You, you can find it through there and we'd, uh, we'd love to talk to you about coming and working for us. Yeah, absolutely. And just while we're plugging, Yorkshire Housing are also an active recruiter. So <laughs> we can also look for opportunities on our website as well. Um, but um, yeah, if the chief exec career goes wrong, uh, Rosie, you may well find me uh, with a with a, with a a drill in my hand sort of saying, uh, I can Hi. do that, it's a, it's a job. Um, so um, we're going to go to a quick fire round. Um, so let's go. Um, I did some reading recently. So the first question comes from that. What advice or top tip would you share with your younger self? I'll go Rosie first. Make sure you enjoy enjoy your job. Oh, great one. Uh, Andy? Um, start your education at school, not afterwards. <laughs> that sounds like there's still some more stories behind that, Andy. Don't worry, we're going to get to that one. Absolutely um, not. So uh, I said there'll be a footballing theme. Uh, so name the three teams that are going to be relegated from the Premiership this season. I'll come to you, Andy, first. Presumably Leeds will be one of them. 
Um, I'm not going to be drawn on this whatsoever, so I'm going to be diplomatic and say not Leeds United, and for Rosie's benefit, not Newcastle either. Thank you. I don't, I don't care after that. <laughs> Rosie, don't be diplomatic. Come on, name them, name them. Burnley, Watford and Everton. Oh, oh Everton, there's a, there's a topical one. Oh, the toffee's going down. Uh, that's uh, that's a whole Northwest contingent of listeners that we've now lost. So thanks for that. <laughs> You're both early adopters, and you mentioned interestingly, Rosa cars before in the car industry. So electric cars, Tesla, Volvo, or Polestar? I'll go Andy first. Well, um, I think an electric Volvo is a Polestar, so I'll go for Polestar. Oh uh, yeah, it is by any other name. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Rosie, Tesla. Absolutely, I'm with you 100%. Yeah, good. On cars then, first car. Rosie, what was your first car? BW Golf. Oh, oh, posh. Right, okay. Uh, Andy? 1974 Mark I Escort. Oh, my goodness. 1300 mate. popular in uh, Baby Blue. There you go. Oh, you both should have kept those. They'd be worth a fortune now. Right, let's move on. Most interesting person you've ever met. Uh, Rosie? I'm going for my nana. Um, oh. Fabulous life. Brought up nine kids through, wow. you know, between the wars heart and soul of the community you know just yeah great person oh that's fantastic andy beat that um princess anne wow <laughs> right i mean well, once a, a rural scheme and she was absolutely the opposite of what you maybe think her public persona was she was really down to earth and really knowledgeable so it was it was a really it threw me it threw me Right, Andy, I'm going to stay with you because we already know uh, Rosie's favourite band and her favourite song. Favourite band for you, Andy? Oh, ask, again, ask your parents. Uh, Depeche Mode. Oh, dear. Favourite song? Uh, Our Friends Electric by Tubeware Army featuring Blimey. Gary Newman. Or song two by Blur. Blimey, right, OK. And so back to you, Rosie. Favourite film? Six Sense. Oh, interesting. Mm. Oh, all right, OK. Andy, oh, I've got, I've got, I couldn't choose between three. I've got The Crow, which is a gothic horror film uh, with Brandon Lee in it, Bruce Lee. Oh, I'm going to make you have one. You've got to name one. Okay, I'll go for Galaxy Quest, spoof right. sci-fi movie. Look at up, kids. <laughs> that sounds like uh, a very, very specific genre. Right. Okay. Final one from me. Uh, last couple of years have been um, sort of semi-disruptive. We've had this pandemic-y thing kicking around. Um, what are your predictions for the year ahead? One prediction for the year ahead. Rosie, come to you first. Oh, I think continued you know, full employment and a real shake-up of the jobs market for skills and opportunities. Okay, now, Andy? Things will be different. <laughs> <laughs> In a good way. Uh, things will be different, dot, 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 in a good way. Um, and uh, we're going to have full employment and a vibrant jobs market. You heard it here first. That's uh, that's a wrap. That's the end of uh, this episode. Can't believe that's 40 minutes gone in the blink of an eye. Can I first of all say a massive, massive thank you to both Rosie and Andy for joining us uh, today. Um, also, a huge thank you to, to you, our listeners. We're really, really grateful for the fact that you take the time to, to download and listen to this podcast, no matter what it is you may be doing. Please remember that you can find all our other episodes wherever you normally get your uh, podcasts. Uh, but for now, it's time to close the door on uh, season one. Uh, but the good news is we've already got big plans for season two, so please watch this space. 
and we do like a lot of audience participation so um it's not too late if you've got ideas or any suggestions of what you'd like to see us cover in season two we'd love to hear from you but until next time thanks for listening see you soon